Asama dudes, I don't even need to tell you what day it is anymore because I'm pretty sure you are with it. But are we making your Mondays better? Are we? Because Monday's still Monday, but at least we're in it as one. Um, my name is Tori Anderson. You can find me at Tori A. Alina and my co-host, best friend for life, Renee McCurdy. You can find her at Renee McCurds on Instagram. We are the two hosts of the Big Stick Energy podcast hosted on the Out of Bounds Network. So it's been a big week, my dudes, a massive ass week. First of all, I would like to say that I am hungover today. And I'm not even mad about it. Why? Because I got to go to Freshtable last night where I watched Tanya, Emily, and Janelle throw the fook down in stomping grounds. It was so freaking sick. I literally teared up a little bit. Like watching how far women's skiing has progressed, like watching them shred turned me on more than watching all of like the old timers who've been doing it a million years. Like I really appreciate the amount of fresh talent that came into these movies this year, including Skier Cole and uh, Sam Kush, 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 Sam Kush. Is that right, Renee? It's Sam Cooch. <laughs> Cooch, sorry. I don't think you know who I am, so it's fine. Um, Sam Cooch. Throw the frick down. That man is a spider monkey. Like, I don't even understand how he is that tight. Like, he is like the next generation of Candide. It was freaking bananas. But I drank too many beers, and here we are today. But that's okay. This uh, mental state also means that I would love to quickly address what happened with Jay Skis this week. I mean, that was a revolutionary moment, and it was insane to see our community rally and do something productive. And I am so proud of how everybody conducted themselves. And, you know, like moving forward, change is not fast. It's, they can apologize. And Jay was very gracious and kind when we met with him. Um, but, you know, like structural change and systemic change takes time. It takes consulting. And we all need to be privy to that. It doesn't mean that things are going to happen overnight. That's just not the way that business structure works. But Renee and I uh, met with Jay yesterday morning and he was super freaking awesome. Um, he was really kind and perceptive and we had a really good conversation about why it's wrong and how he could help shift popular culture in the industry to make it more equitable for underrepresented groups. And we're really stoked to say that we're actually going to be having him on the podcast very soon to chat about everything. So you guys can look forward to that episode. But yeah, it's um, there's some really cool stuff coming. We're really excited to tell you guys about it. But today, back to the girls and shredding. We got a sick episode that's going to help you get ready for the upcoming season. And Renee is going to tell you a little bit about it. Hey, 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 uh, we got Carly this week. She is actually a Wombtang ambassador is how we first met Carly. And then she reached out to us about the podcast. So here we are. We are stoked to have this conversation with her. She is a rep for some ski brands. So RMU, she's got Carrie Trot, she has Stanley. So there's a few other brands. You can look it up, Play Northwest is kind of the umbrella with all the brands she's working with. We talk about some gear, girls and gear. Uh, we really wanted to help girls have a bit more confidence in walking up to that ski wall, what they might be looking for, understanding some basics of 
ski construction and how that pertains to how you might ski a ski, understanding a few of the words involved with that so that when you go up there and you're asking for help, even if there's no girls around, you don't feel like you're completely out of place and you kind of have an idea of the direction you're going. So we talk about how she got involved as a ski rep because Tori and I have been in shops for years, combined years, and we never seen a girl that is a ski rep. So it's pretty cool to see that and really just like nerd out. We completely nerded out on ski designs. <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> this episode is titled Girls in Gear because there's nothing that turns Renee and I on more than girls in freaking gear. It's freaking, yeah, we froth, we geek. We are literally sitting there like clenching our butt cheeks and just like so puckered and stoked to talk about this stuff. And uh, yeah, we've got some more really cool gear episodes and some articles coming up for you guys as well. But this episode's fun and we're stoked to hear what you think about it. Cool. Well. This is another episode of Big Stick Energy, dropping in three, two, one. Carly, do you want to give everybody like the quick, you know, speed run, who's who's, what's what's, give us an introduction to who you are and um, yeah. Yeah. So my name is Carly Garrett. I am a sales rep for RMU Skis, among other brands. We, um, I work for an all-women's sales agency, which I think is super cool three women that cover all northwest five states um there's not a lot of other like women's sales rep like sales agencies out there um and we do everything from rmu to women's base layers kari tra um which is super cool and then like yeah paddle boards and running shoes and um stanley thermoses and stuff so yeah, it's quite the quite the spread. <laughs> um, and I'm based in Washington, but I travel quite a bit for work um, around the whole Northwest. So, for sure, yeah. Um, we actually met Carly uh, last year when we launched the Womb Tang Ambassador Program. She reached out and definitely has like the skill sets and the passion for it. And it was rad to have you on the team. Um, First of all, we want to say we're sorry we weren't more involved with the team because it was <laughs> okay. like, holy crap, it grew so fast and it was like all of us were donating time to get Womb Tang running and it was like a full-time job. So we're trying to revamp right now, but yeah. I think that it still created like, I know in the, like the women's or the women's, uh, Mount Baker coalition of Womb Tang, like I think it's maybe less, slightly less active, but Jane and I have been like talking um I like saw her at our like morning workout class this morning and we were like okay like how can we like set off this winter like on a on a good foot and trying to like kind of yeah make it more inclusive and more active this year than than it was last year because I feel like it was still like okay like we're super stoked on this and other girls are also clearly super stoked on this but like actually show up, like come ski with us. Like we want to <laughs> hang out. <laughs> yeah. We got to like figure out some more structure. And one of the things we're struggling with is um, just having enough human, you know, capital, I guess you could say to yeah. get stuff done. So we're talking about um, potentially looking into some investing and then we could, we would love to like pay people like that's number one. Right. 
um, yeah. for their work and time, but we want to bring some other people onto the team. So someone that would be like the ambassador manager who would be like liaisoning between us and helping organize stuff and like uh, do events and things like that. We also need a finance person because I almost failed accounting. So I, I'm a creative in marketing. <laughs> so that would be great. <laughs> um, but overall, just like daily like managing things and launching pro like projects. We want to do a membership card and uh, start raising money for scholarships. And uh, yeah, so we need help. So everybody listening, <laughs> if you want to get involved, we will be moving into that phase of Womb Tang's positioning, hopefully soon. But we do apologize for the lack of involvement over the last little bit. <laughs> Would you say that Baker's your home mountain? Yeah, definitely. Um, I can see it from here. Like I'll be at work looking out the window at Baker and all last winter I was like, oh, so close. It's so, so far. far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I could actually like really for me to drive to Baker from my house is not that much further than me driving to Whistler, which is kind of crazy. And that's like including going across the border. Yeah. So. There's a ton of Canadians that get Baker passes. Um yeah, it's about an hour and 15 from town. Um, it's not where I grew up skiing, but it's definitely my home mountain now. Yeah, I feel like, like it seems like just this little gem, but I guess we shouldn't blow it up because <laughs> yeah. we should. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's already blown up. They maxed out their like season pass sales this year, which is crazy. They were like, we're cutting this off like on the in the first six hours that they opened it up to like everybody, it was like, we're sold out now. <laughs> like we can't offer more seasons passes. That's actually pretty wild considering other resorts will sell their passes for months on just the early board sale. You yeah. Know, like it'll go up in the summer and then it, it goes until fall, the early bird. And then you still have passes after that. Like they don't really they do a funny it. thing where they open it to like previous seasons pass holders, um, like on the 15th of September, and then it's open for two weeks for previous pass holders, and then they close it. And there's no like preseason discounts of like, oh, buy it in April. It's just like, okay, you have two weeks to buy your pass, and then like they close it on a Friday and then open it up back on Monday to like everybody else, and it sold out in six hours. I think that's kind of sick, though. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I think they just don't have the capacity. Like, there's no high-speed lifts. Like, the resort parking lots are only so big. And then it's, like, a long forest road to go back down into town. So, like, it's not like they have – like, they just don't have more capacity. And so they have to cap it at some point. Yeah. I think that's, like – I remember – I think it was Adam or maybe Renee shared it. I'm not sure. But it was somebody talking about, like, the Epic Pass or, like, how Vale is selling – um, these like huge passes. And at first it was awesome, but now it's bringing more people to those towns. It's causing a housing crisis. Like there's less people that can find uh, places to live. So they're not able to work for small businesses and small businesses are having to shut down. Like lineups are bigger. It's like, there's not enough staff to run these hills and they've kind of like created a huge demand, but lack of supply. And they've really like choked out that entire, totally. you know, system or, capability of the town to function normally and I've seen that too like I I just signed a lease in Calgary um for the next year which I never thought I'd live in a city I've always lived in ski towns but then I realized that living in ski towns I'm so used to paying so much money for rent 
like so much. So here I was like, wow, that's really cheap. Like I'm used to paying a lot more than that. And then food too. Like I'm used to eating so expensively just being in ski town just <laughs> yeah. goes through the roof. And it's just like, it genuinely is a problem. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely fairly, yeah, it's pretty reasonable to live in Bellingham. It's not, rent isn't crazy expensive and you can find like sweet deals on rent and stuff. My roommate like has lived in Jackson and in Tahoe and was super used to like, yeah, super expensive everything. And then she moved in here. She was like, oh, this is great. Like, whoa, I'm saving so much money. <laughs> whoa, so sick. <laughs> yeah. It's not your classic ski town because it's not in the mountains technically. So for sure. Um, I just want to jump back to being like, you know, like womb tang and stuff like that. I mean, we it's kind of grown exponentially. And in previous episodes that we've recorded, we've talked a lot about how like women learn differently and men learn differently. Like from your experience meeting up with Jane and other chicks, um, how would you say riding with other women has affected like your progression and your view on the sport and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it's, it, yeah, it's definitely very different. Um, women have, have a, I've done a lot of backcountry skiing with women um, and inbounds too, but I think that what I've had like most, my most formative experiences skiing with women have been in the backcountry because we have such different decision-making processes. Um, and yeah, definitely a few times like last winter skiing with Jane, it's just like you read the slope slightly differently. And I think that, um, yeah, like women aren't necessarily as like high risk takers in backcountry scenarios, um, which is really nice. And it's not like I've been skiing with guys before and they're like, oh my God, like let's go ski that. And it's like, okay, well, yes, but let's consider like, how are you going to get there? How like the boot pack up this like looks kind of sketchy. It looks like it might slide. Like you know, rather than just like a full, like, oh, like we're going to send it to this. It's like a more slowly, um, slow decision-making process and like more calculated, um, which I really, really enjoy and was able to take, uh, my airy two with one of my best friends last winter. Um, and Mallory actually, actually, yeah, a couple of close friends of mine. And it's just like, so different to be able to have that like okay like we're learning how to make decisions like make backcountry decisions um and I feel like I saw something recently about how airy one like you leave that and pretty much everybody I think just like it, it scares the shit out of you and you're like oh my god I'm gonna go into the backcountry and die <laughs> and I think that it leaves you with this interesting like perspective and I think that hopefully that they're able to change some of these airy classes in the future and you know obviously it's great to take airy two and keep learning and if you're going to spend more time in the backcountry you know take those courses and learn what you can um but I think that airy two taking it with other women was really impactful um on my own decision-making processes and it's um yeah it's also just way more fun 
like it's so much more fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah you just like um I don't know I think that you kind of slow down and it's less about the like oh my god we need to go get as many runs in as possible in this whole day like that's the kind of vibe I get from skiing with other guys sometimes and it's just like oh no like let's go have the most fun down this like we're still gonna ski the shit out of this line but it's gonna be really fun the whole way down um I just find like I feel so much more comfortable it's just um like I actually found out recently that I have exercise induced asthma so it's never I always thought like when I go out with the guys and stuff I was like crap I'm not fit at all like I need to be so much more fit and once I started going with the girls a little bit more, I was talking to my auntie. And then like this weekend, I got to try uh, a couple different inhalers when we were mountain biking. And holy shit, it made a big difference. But like biking with my auntie or biking with the girls or ski touring with the girls, I feel like I'm okay to be at the ability level that I'm at. I'm not as hard on myself because I really don't like sucking at things. I'm super competitive and it's not with other people. It's always with myself. And whenever I'm with the guys, it's just like, go, go, go. And I just like, don't function like that. But with the girls, it's like, it's like, oh, hey, do you mind if I like stop to like pull back my hair quickly? Or like, you know, like, oh, I got to go pop a squat or we can be like, take a break and have a snack and you don't feel guilty and pressured and you're not grumpy. And it is very, I don't know, it's beneficial, I think for sure. And yeah, I think that um, like also you working, we kind of like skipped over that, but you working in a full female agency, that's also wild. Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, yeah, my yeah. my we've... boss definitely tries to seek out like women, and I think it, especially being a female ski rep, um, like being in shops, and it's really special to be in shops, like as a hard goods rep, talking to other ladies in shops, and it's like sometimes you can see like their eyes just like get so huge, and they're like, "Oh my god, like this is crazy," <laughs> which is like. It's yeah, I never thought, you know, six years ago when I was starting to work in a shop, I, this was like my wildest dream of like, oh, maybe when I'm 45, I'll be a ski rep. But like, yeah, you have this like preconception of how much experience you have to have and how long you have to work in the ski industry and like put in your, your due time before you can like make that happen potentially. And like, yeah, I had never seen a female ski rep ever walk into a shop. Neither have we. <laughs> Neither have we. <laughs> never. I've been working um, like sample sales, demos, uh, like gear shows, uh, industry shows with my dad since I was a kid. And I've never seen a female ski rep. And we yeah. talked about it in our first episode too, even just seeing a chick in hard goods that in itself is not the usual like usually it's mostly dudes and in boot fitting and like I don't think I have like really ever been somewhere else boot fitting getting my own boots done that it's been a girl like I yeah no yeah it really (laughs) is not very common right so it is kind of cool to see that you know, it actually like is potential to be a ski rep. That actually is something that you could be because I've never seen it. You're the first one I know. (laughs) It's yeah, it's super crazy to be kind of, yeah, fully challenging that stereotype of and I'm, I'm also five feet tall. So I'm really short. Stunt nugget. 
And <laughs> so it's like walking, I remember the first time walking into one of my shops and like when I, we first came on board with RMU and I like walked into the shop and like the buyers and like every dude who works in the shop is like six feet tall and they're just these like massive dudes. And I'm like, hi, like I'm your new RMU rep. And they're like, what? Like, we don't have time for you. Like, and I was like, no, really? Like I'm here. I'm your rep. Like we need to chat about business because like you have an order coming up, like let's schedule a clinic. Like let's get this done. And it, it was like this like crazy. Um, yeah. Just like, like, Oh, what? Like, who's this chick? Like what's happening? <laughs> so it's been, yeah. I think this is our third winter now with RMU. I think, yeah, um, third or fourth, and it's definitely it definitely took a couple seasons to kind of get in the groove and um, make sure that things were, yeah, smooth and in the groove. And bringing on new buyers has been less difficult. Is it- yeah, I was just saying smooth and in the groove. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, I. Like, I think entering that space, like, did you, I know myself and Renee, like, we've both experienced quite a bit of sexism um, in the ski industry, especially because, like, I mean, systemically, if you look at the construction of the entire industry, like, media is done through the male gaze. Products are designed for men. It's, like, they're marketed to men. Like, everything is designed within this masculine uh, sphere. And entering those spaces and challenging it is really hard. Like, um, Pushing into that space, did you, I mean, we all feel empowered at first and then you get a lot of setbacks. Did you experience those and how did you deal with them? Yeah, I think that there's definitely like the first season I really felt like, okay, whoa, like I'm in this super privileged position to be, you know, or it felt super privileged to be a female ski rep in this industry when like realistically it shouldn't be like, there should be way more women representing ski brands. But I was like, oh my God, I have to really prove myself in this role. And it was, yeah, definitely just like a lot of general sexism and especially like at ski demos, like people wouldn't like assume that I would know how to like adjust the skis or they would try to adjust the skis themselves. And I'm like, no, no, like I got this. Like, let me, I'm doing this for you. Like you are here at my booth or whatever um so yeah it was definitely like a weird like oh I really need to try and take control of these situations um and it was there wasn't anything that impactful until this past winter um I went into one of my shops and (laughs) it like I'm like shaking thinking about this honestly one of my buyers I was like chatting with a couple of them and I was standing in the boot room and one of the buyers like came up behind me and he was like, Hey, like, can I grab your butt? And then he was like, Oh, just kidding. I'm in the form behind you. And I was like, Oh my fucking God. I like, didn't even know what to say. I was like, excuse me. And it was like, it like really shook me. Like I'm still pretty shook from it. What the fuck? And And I was like, I can't, believe that the like yeah and the yeah there as a professional mouth, in a professional setting like 
what the yeah. fuck? And this was somebody that you already had a professional relationship with? Like, nobody knew? Yeah. Yeah. And I will... I want to yeah. puke right now. Obviously, yeah. They are definitely <sighs> my least professional account that I work with. Um, they are highly sexist in a lot of uh, regards and have made some, like, racist comments and all kinds of things. But... Um, yeah, told my sales manager like a few days later, I was like, hey, like, I just had this experience. And he was like, what, like, what do you need me to do? Like, I'm here for you. And to like have RMU, you know, stand behind me like that. And they were like, if this happens again, like we will drop them as an account, like no questions asked, like they're done. Like, and like, they, they reached out to this account and like said something to them, like, hey, like, we're like this is zero tolerance like we will not tolerate this if this happens again and which like felt super good to like have them back me up on that um, yeah that's super i feel like in some cases that like with other brands or like bigger brands that might not happen um mm-hmm. even like you s- would just get like swept under the rug and like oh yeah like here we are it's the ski industry oh yeah, yeah even- that's exactly the attitude is just oh well what do you expect <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Like, I expect way more than this. Sorry, no, it, sorry. There's an 100%. attitude like you should just be glad for what you have. And yeah, yeah. Yep. This is where it should be the case. This <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I think yes, like, I'm really just like, trying to recover from that story that you just told. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, ang- I'm genuinely pissed. I am so fucking pissed. That is. Yeah. A level of objectification and othering, and that is so dehumanizing. And they would never say that to a male colleague or to a male professional in your position. No. That is no. degrading as fuck. Sorry, yeah, everybody. It was like, I'm no, mad. it was super degrading. And there was like, I It's get, traumatic and, too. And it's super hard to like, especially when like the three dudes standing around you are like six feet tall. And I'm like, yeah, a foot shorter than all of them. But, you know, we'll beat that, like, every ski demo, I, like, hold this in my back pocket all the time. Because I'm like, oh, well, I know I'm faster than all of you and I can ski harder than all of you. So suck it. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah. Getting, like, that response from RMU, though, like, shout out to RMU. Those are some solid freaking values. That is awesome. Yeah. I I really um, appreciate what they, yeah, like, all of their values as a, as a brand, um, and it yeah. feels super like heartening too because I like started skiing on RMU prior to repping for them, and so I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, I really believe in this brand, and like these are super sweet. And then like getting the chance to rep for them, it like has just felt really natural, which is really, I think, really special for for most cases. I think also like the them bringing on a female as a rep also is very like disruptive to the industry culture like that's huge I honestly I I don't know if like like have you talked to any other women that want to be reps like what's where is the barrier here is it that women don't feel comfortable asking or is it that there's a level of sexism in HR in these brands like you know I would guess that it has to do a lot with like yeah kind of HR and like that feeling of like being super othered in this space. Like when you don't see a woman 
or yeah, like not your stereotypical, like 55 year old white dude as your ski rep for, for every single brand. Like I can't like, that's just the image that you, I think 98% of people probably have of like any ski rep they know. Um, and yeah, like if you don't see yourself in those spaces, then like, how are you even going to think that that's a possibility? Like that was definitely the case when I was like working at a shop and I was like, Oh, like that, like, this is never going to happen for me. Like if that's a goal. Um, and I think that in, yeah, I think most of the women that I've met in the last few years that do work in shops are kind of like, I would say majority have been like, Oh, like this is my first winter working at a ski shop. And they're kind of like, trying to figure out what they want to do in this industry space, um, which is awesome. And like, it's, I'm so stoked to be seeing other women um, like doing this. So yeah, it's nice to be able to like take the time. And I definitely kind of keep tabs on like, okay, who's still working at these shops? Like, can I pass them on a opportunity in the future? Like with RMU or like even, like trying to shout out other brands of like, Hey, get in the door here. Like I know these reps, like, can, can we help you out here to like further this goal somehow? Um, yeah. So th I, th I don't know. That's kind of a hard question to answer. Yeah. Cause there's not a lot of, of much of a sample field. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> very small. <laughs> I mean, like Renee and I, what was the study that we read about female? It was, it was uh, like how gender influences risk adversity in the backcountry for guides. Oh, and yeah. like basically like the study, yeah, it was like the study was like seven women and like 48 guys. And at the end of the study, they were like, well, this isn't really conclusive because the samples were so off. <laughs> and like fuck? one woman didn't actually answer these questions. And it was like, okay, so cool, cool, cool. Great. Sounds Thank good. You. Yep. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same thing with like the ski boot thing that we were talking about um before we started recording. It's like there needs to be more data that's collected to help businesses make better decisions. And there also has to be marketing campaign initiatives to educate women on boots and gear and help them step into those masculine spaces. And like, not all women are gonna wanna geek out in gear. Like I totally get that. But even the fundamentals, just to understand how the right gear can impact your progression is huge. Like, I remember this girl saw that I was helping my dad at a sample sale um, and she came down to buy some skis and she's taller than me. She's like five foot seven, I think, or something like that. And I ride a one, seven, eight. She was on like a one, like, six seven ski like super small super soft and i was like girl we gotta get that big stick energy going and i like told her about it and she was so nervous buying a bigger ski we got her on a 172 and when i saw her at lake louise she came up and gave me a hug because she was like this ski is helping me float on top of snow. I'm riding in the trees. I feel so much more comfortable going high speed. She was like, I didn't realize how much my equipment was holding me back. Thank you for like, you know, give like helping me find this ski. And like, that's huge, right? Yeah, I mean, to I've done it too, working at shops and people don't believe that they should have a certain type of gear. And I think like product offerings really factor into that too. You see a lot of 
women's with air quotes skis where they only make them up to a 170 well tori and i are not that tall in the grand scheme of things i'm five six and i couldn't tell you the last time i skied something that was 170 or less i, I just don't like i will ski like 175 to 185 really you know so it it makes it so that i can't even look at that whole wall of skis because there's not going to be anything that I'm going to like there just on length alone so yeah I mean like that's like totally something that just follows along with not the product offerings not necessarily reflecting everyone but also women not believing that they are worthy of having that piece of gear because there's a lot of chicks taller than me and if they're skiing on, like Tori said, a 165, like you can only go so fast on that when you're a tall girl. So like, what are you supposed to buy? How do you know that you should not buy that? Yeah, maybe this would be a good opportunity to segue into like buying the right pairs of skis and what goes into it. Because I mean, Carly, you're, you do this for a freaking living. So it's like, you would have some good insights and Renee and I are also like, have a lot of experience and um, like whenever I sell skis for my dad, I have people walking out with like two pairs at a sample sale. Like I love selling skis, but I'm very technical. And anytime that I sell a ski, I always try to educate people on why the ski is the right one for them and just give them a base level, um, you know, introduction to how certain factors change the way that it's going to feel. And it depends like what your goals are. Right. Um, so like, what would you say, like your average, you know, elevator pitch for buying the right pair of skis would be for all of our listeners today. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that like when you're going setting out to like buy a pair of skis and like figuring out for yourself, like, you know, having these like goals in mind or like knowing certain characteristics of like, okay, what are, what do you like to ski? You know, like, do you like to stay on the groomers? Do you like to go in the trees? Do you like to hug big cliffs? Do you go slow or not? Do you go fast? Um, <clears throat> just knowing yourself as a, as a rider, I think is super important and being able to talk through that with, you know, your local shop staff or your, your rep friend or whoever, um, to figure out what you want. Um, or like, yeah, like, okay, this is who I am as a rider. What spaces might I be looking to progress in? Like, I want to go faster this season, or I want something that's going to be more stable. Um, or like, even if you tell whoever is selling the skis, like what you don't like about your current skis, I think is huge. That's a big um, one. Because that can make such a big difference. Like, if you're not going to say like what you dislike about skis then somebody might put you on something that like is the totally wrong ski for you and it's like oh yeah you like to ski these things but you didn't tell me that you prefer a super soft ski then like okay like they might give you something with metal or something stiff and it's like you're gonna have a bad time if you don't like that kind of ski for sure and like I think that um, I have a lot of people that I've sold skis to when I ask them what they were previously on, they can't tell me. And it's like, they kind of have to go through and like explain me like the graphic or the brand or like how wide they think it is. And then I have to 
pull through the ski encyclopedia in my head to try and figure out what it is. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if you can show up with a photo of your old ski for the salesperson, it's going to give them an idea of what you were on before. And it'll help them kind of like work through those questions. The other thing is like, tell them where you're skiing. Like, are you like, say Lake Louise, for example, I always ask people, is it, are you front side or backside? Because that gives me an idea of how, um, you know, adventurous you are. And if you're backside, like, are you going up to the summit? Are you skiing like Whitehorn one? Are you more like a grizzly gully kind of like bottom chair? Like that'll give you a good idea. Like, is this person mainly on groomers? Right. And one yeah. thing that I've also learned is men usually say they're a lot better than they are and women will undersell themselves. So asking those questions is important. Oh, yeah. So for chicks listening, like really think about that kind of stuff before you go into the shop, where you ski, what your goals are. Like, have you seen anybody do something? You're like, fuck, I wish I could do that. Talk about that. Figure out if the gear that you're on is the right gear to get you there, but come with that information prepared so that the salesperson can help you. And go to a shop that has the vibe that you are after. 100%. I was getting my boots yeah. done one time at a race shop and the guy that runs the race shop was trying to full stop convince me that a carving like less than a hundred underfoot ski was what I needed to do big mountain competitions. And I was like, dude, no, like I have been competing for a few years and I think I know what kind of ski that I like to have for that. And I can tell you that I would never ski that ski ever, ever, ever on any day. Except maybe for like one run and then to give it back to you just to try it. But like you Yikes. can bet your bet that I would not ski that on like any kind of big mountain run. Because it's not the way I ski or my style or the type of terrain that I seek out. So it's like you guys are saying like what kind of ski are you and where do you ski and what do you want to do with your ski yeah do you want to go into the park and learn that do you want to ski more backside bowls are you happy on the groomers like where, where do you want to go and I think that kind of just helps the person that's selling you the ski figure out okay how wide of a ski do we need and what shape do we need because that's where all the tech comes in and that's the stuff that people might not really know all the ins and out ofs but if you know how approximately good someone is and where they plan to ski and what they want to do with it you can kind of figure out what actually might be the best option for sure maybe we should talk about shape a little bit like how a uh, rocker camber profile something has more rocker more camber um you know that hourglass shape side cut and also materials how that affects the way the ski feels um, give us your down low, Carly. Let's go. <laughs> and you can also like feel free to throw any like examples of RMU skis out there. Like Tories with Wonder, I'm with Liberty. I used to ski for Fisher. We both have skied like every atomic ski. And I used to actually, the shop I used to work at used to sell RMU. So I have skied on a few of them. But yeah, I think it's, we can kind of offer. A variety of brands and yeah yeah. I've, are, worked, but, yeah I've worked in ski shops since i was 14 i'm now 27 old That's a lot of damn experience yeah <laughs> i've tried a lot of skis and like skis in different conditions like i lived in japan for eight months i did four or five seasons in new zealand but like different snow conditions so let's geek out girls in gear this is one of my favorite things low-key turn on 
Okay, let's do, let's do the shape. <laughs> Sorry, I love Okay. <laughs> I feel like this doesn't happen very often for me. I'm like, sometimes my boyfriend, I'll like try to get super nerdy on like gear stuff and like he's a big skier and like kind of a ski nerd too. But sometimes he's just like, Carly, like shut the hell up. Like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I want to talk about this. Like, it's so interesting. Oh my gosh. Last year when Tori and I were picking out our skis and what we were going to get, we literally were on the phone, like down to the dimensions <laughs> of what like length we should order for each other. <laughs> like yeah, we're that person. Like how aggressive the camber was or the rocker was down to like the millimeter. Like, okay, oh like, God. if I go fully rocket on this set and a 107, like, it's only, like, a negative one. It's not that rocket. So I think it should still be responsive if I have it on piece. But then the camber is, like, I mean, and it was, like, we were going back yeah. and forth. And it, it has this type of wood in it, like. <laughs> yeah. This one has, like, a titanal weave, and this one has carbon stringers. And, like, I'm just not sure. And, like, <laughs> is this going to be too long for ski touring? Like, are my hip flexors going to be pissed? But then I got lighter <laughs> boots this year. So, like. And like we also did it with their ski outfits, okay? I was like, okay, I'm gonna look like a carrot, jobless, true. But what freaking goggles do I get to go with the orange <laughs> suit? <laughs> so yeah, it's a. Yeah. Oh, I love ski gear. I feel so cute <laughs> in my ski outfit with my big sticks. God damn it. Okay, we're gonna stop cutting you off now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're just like really frothing. We are no, frothing. I fully understand <laughs> um yeah. yeah I feel like camber and rocker profiles and skis is something that like you unless you have skied for a while it's like I think that those two things are kind of not on the forefront of everybody's mind sometimes especially when they're like going into buy a ski like if you're getting into skiing or like you've had one pair of skis and it's been hand-me-down or you know you've had rentals for however long um but the to kind of lay it all out for everybody so we're all on the same page uh camber is underfoot in a ski and so it's going to bow up a little bit i wish i could you know visualize this for people listening um but when you if you like put your skis flat you know you hook them together if they bow out a little bit and there's space in the middle that's camber um, and then rocker profile is any rise in the tip or the tail for listeners. Um, and so how much rise in the tip or and or the tail um, is going to help you float a little bit more or not, depending on where that rocker profile sits. Um, <clears throat> and so that's something to think about as you, like in terms of what you're skiing and your salesperson of your local shop will be able to help you with this also. But, um, you know, I like a lot of rocker in the, the tips of my skis and rocker is going to help you float on top of the snow, especially if you're in higher snow conditions. I grew up on the East coast. So, uh, rocker was not the forefront of my mind. I was like, okay, like, what's going to grip on the ice the best? Oh yes. This has camber. Great. Like let's do that. Definitely. <laughs> how sharp, how sharp are my edges? <laughs> my, uh, my boss would always say that um, like camber 
I mean, you can get a fully rockered ski as well, right? Um, yeah. So if you put the ski together and it kind of like all the way through it, it kind of has this banana shape to it. So it looks like a C on either side, like the uh, the forefront Hoji. Is yep. that the right one? Yep. Hoji, yep. that's a fully rockered ski. And then there's skis that have um, like the Armada JJ. It has very minimal camber underfoot, but it has so much rocker, like almost equal in the tip and tail that it looks fully rocker, but it does have a small amount of camber underfoot. Um, so camber will, when you compress it, what happens is that pressure when you're going into a turn, it gives you grip and then it also gives you response. So when you come out of the turn, clipping through the tail, it's going to push you into your next turn where a rockered ski is going to be a lot more um, playful and buttery and, you know, it's not really going to have that same response and kickback. So those are things to consider. Um when you're purchasing a ski and whether or not it's the right ski for you. Also the rocker and depending on the side cut, so like that like curvature, you know, that hourglass baby freaking Kim K <laughs> shape, that is going to change the effective edge and how it links up. So if you have like a really bulbous tip and a lot of rocker in it, that means that the effective edge starts shorter. So it's going to feel like it's ski shorter until you get it into softer snow, which is where that, that, uh, that, flotation is going to come in. And then like you need to also factor in the stiffness profile. So if you have a lot of rocker in the tip, but it's a freaking noodle, it's going to like flap, flap, flap all day long and you're going to get heaps of chatter. So what's the torsional stiffness? And that's like some hardcore geeky shit, but. <laughs> oh yeah. But even just like looking at your effective edge. And I think for probably most people that listening, they're looking for kind of an all mountain ski, might not have the pleasure of having more than one ski in their quiver because frankly it costs a lot of money. So if you are looking at something that does have quite a bit of rocker in it, and then you're looking at your effective edge, girls, this is why you can have big stick energy. It's because if you have a lot of rocker, you can size her up and she's gonna still ski real good. <laughs> yeah. Shorter effective edge. We and, know if, that. <laughs> and if you go too short with a ski like that, you actually just lose a lot of stability. And that's where people lose out on getting sized down on skis and you can't go as fast and you have more chatter and you don't feel as stable or as confident going more, more high speeds through rougher terrain. So that's kind of like where we are getting at when we say big stick energy is picking the ski to the size that you need to ski the way that you want to. And in a lot of all mountain type skis with rocker profiles, that can often mean going up a size. Yeah. I think this is something that can be uh, more difficult to do. And I feel like in the last couple of years, like last winter, you know, ski demos and like public facing ski demos were maybe a little bit less common depending on where you lived with like COVID and everything. Um, but getting the ability, yeah, going to a ski demo um, and being able to test out like, oh, this like super different types of skis of like, okay, this is more of a race ski or like, you know, kind of a classic East Coast, narrow, lots of camber, um, like minimal rocker and you know, versus like a powder ski on the East Coast, like they're going to perform so differently in the types of conditions that you are normally skiing in. And so I think that being able to test out different things side by side and getting a like live, like, oh, I really love this. Uh, or like, I really hate the rocker profile in the ski or like, 
I just found out, I just demoed these four fronts and like, I love a fully rockered zero camber ski, you know? Um, and writing down what you like and don't like about those things, um, I think is so huge um, and can be really, really informative for everybody. Um, doesn't matter who you are. For sure. Yeah. I think um, like if you look at old school skis, like we've all seen them in thrift shops or like on your dad's wall, or it's cabin, whatever. So skinny um, and so straight. <laughs> and they're so freaking massive. Like people are riding like two, so two like freaking yeah. bananas. But like the, the shape that we actually have in our skis today um, was innovative, was innovated because of snowboarding. So when snowboarding hit the market, their shapes and structures, we actually adapted that into how we create skis today. So, you know, like when we're talking about rocker profile, um, there's actually a really big trend over the last couple of years with directional skis. So you're seeing like free ride skis, you're skiing skis that are like 90 to like 102 underfoot, um, like maybe 107. Uh, the When you get up to that wide, they usually do have a little bit more rocker in the tail just because there's more material underneath you, but kind of that like 100 to like 90 range. Um, having a lot of rocker in the tip and then a flatter tail and then like a stiffer composite in the middle. So you're looking at like a titanal weave, which is like a titanium aluminum uh, composite, which makes the ski a lot stiffer and a lot damper. So getting on a ski like that, you might be like, oh, shit. OK, this thing rails, but it's still like awesome and soft snow. But like you can go and take it out on a groomer and you've got like your angles dialed. You're freaking like living your washed up ski dad dreams, like, you know, getting on <laughs> those different washed shapes. Up ski mom dreams. Honestly. Ski mom dreams. <laughs> I know. I just I love like I sold skis to a guy like that this weekend. He was like, yeah, I'm like an X racer. And he's like in his 55s. I was like, how your knees? He was like, they're fine. I was like, I doubt it. <laughs> and he just like wanted to get on a like hardcore, like downhill ski so badly. And he was like, but you know, like it just doesn't float. And I was like, why don't you like jump up to this like Maverick 95 or whatever? Cause it's still directional, still has a titanal weave. You're gonna have a great time, but you're not stuck like pretending you're still in the gates and live in your glory days. Like a little adventurous. Those ski dads are really funny to scale too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, like, just <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know what damp means, because that's kind of a technical term too, right? Yeah, right, good point. If, this, if a ski is damp, um, and if that's something that you're looking for, it means that it's going to, like, really suck up any vibrations, any, like, little bumps that you're hitting. It's going to really make those smooth. It's going to yeah. crush through crud. If you think about crud. how, if you have super soft skis on, like, a sheet of ice it's gonna thwap a bunch of times against the ice and you're gonna feel like your teeth are chattering because they probably are Roger soul seven <laughs> cough 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 <laughs> sorry <laughs> before the new tip innovation but not my favorite I said it I said it I did uh. it I think we're all thinking it, so somebody we had to say it. it. <laughs> Didn't Renee? Renee made a, a meme. I did. Okay. I made, I made a joke about <laughs> it, <laughs> and it actually got turned into a comic, but the joke I made oh was the best, is something about it being the best dad ski, but not the ski for guys that you want to call daddy. And someone turned it into a comic <laughs> with like fuzzy. It had it was like the Rosie Soul Seven with like fuzzy 
um, like handcuffs on it. And I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. But like, I can't believe this joke has like gone so far. I feel like I've seen some other like ski meme about like, like the soul seven patch. And it was like a meme of like, you know, some guys like with like a soul patch and like he was skiing the soul sevens or like, he was like, Hey, like, let me tell you about the, have you heard of the Rosie soul seven? And he's like, I don't know. There was like some funny meme about it, but I felt was very fitting. I was like, yeah, that's like your weird dad ski. And you like think you're super good, but you're on a soul seven. So like, have you heard of any other brand like, or any other ski? I honestly, I patrolled on that ski and I tried to, I did try and like really wreck it. And it, I, the one thing I will absolutely say about that ski is that it is okay at everything, but excellent at nothing. Yes, 100%. That's it. I and like, always, I think yeah. that's why it's such a good, in its time, like, I call it the dad ski. But it's something that if people yeah, that, like, want something that's going to do everything around. very average, yeah, it does it. But if you want to, like, stomp something big, the tail is so soft it's just like whoop, it's gone and yeah. you're on your butt because you just back slapped <laughs> I think it's good to point out that like like I've sold that ski a lot same with the sky oh, seven in New I Zealand so like oh my god it was like one of the best selling skis for years but that's like you said like it does well at everything but not doesn't really excel and it's like it has this big tip like really weird side cut like freaking huge narrow waist like a bit bigger in the back and that means that it initiates really easily and it's like pretty soft. So there are people where that is the right ski for them. And that's okay. I think that we just, man, did we just have a sexist moment with skis? Is that, se- it wasn't sexist, but it was, it was, it was, is it ability is? Well, damn it. I don't I know. Like I I, on myself. It's like, the, it's the honestly the only ski that I make fun of because I don't like to make fun of gear because I think then you just perpetuate the elitism of oh, having 100%. the best gear and stuff. But that's the one ski model that I just like, it's so easy to joke about. It's so easy. It honestly, I feel more, I don't know if this justifies it at all or not, but I feel like I know a couple people um, that for years, like, were like two very very good skiers that I know and they were like on the soul seven I was like do you know that you can be on something else that like like I know you're a ripping skier and I feel like this ski is holding you back and like you seem to love it but like try something you should try something else um and yeah. <clears throat> actually yeah. one of them last year I think switched to wonder and he's like in <laughs> love with them yeah yeah but I love I love wonder they're the shit that is um, um i don't know if you're gonna say something but oh, no, go ahead uh i was going to do a small plug for rmu because they do started a really cool thing a year ago um it's called the seven four society and so they are um you know instead of buying new skis because skis are super expensive uh it's basically like a, a rental program through them directly that you can pay, I think it's like $4.99 a year. Um, and you can do like a payment plan and everything. Um, but you basically get like a bunch of like sweet perks and like discounts at like the Blackcomb location or Breck um, or the Tahoe location that's coming soon. Um, but you get like a brand new pair of skis every year with a pair of bindings and you 
get to, yeah, it's like pretty sweet that you can have like a premium pair of skis, you know, new every year, you send it back at the end of the year. So it's, it's a glorified rental program, but to, to, you know, have that more accessible price point of a ski rental on a, on a premium ski, um, they're trying to make it like, you know, for those intermediate skiers that might be stuck at that intermediate level. And it's like, oh, I don't want to buy the more expensive pair of skis like that might, you know, kick me into that next ability level um, or, you know, it's going to elevate your, your skill level. Um, they're trying to make that more accessible, which I think is super cool. Um, and yeah, like that doesn't help my sales at all, but like, I don't care because it's super cool. And I think it's a really rad thing that they're doing because they're like, hey, like, we know this is expensive. We make expensive skis. They have a limited lifetime warranty. Like for sure. Not everybody has that, but like, how yeah. can we, how can we try to do something here? How and, is that available in Canada and in the USA? I believe so. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. They, it's closed now. I think that they like opened it for a certain period of time and like they can only do it with like so many pairs of skis because you know they only make so many pairs <laughs> but um yeah so if you're on the lookout next year in the fall I think like August September is when to when to look for that the the seven four society is what it's called cool and maybe like you can attest to this like actually working directly with RMU but I find that community kind of seems to be a core part of their values. And it's interesting because the first shop I worked at that sold RMUs, we had like kind of a hard time selling them just because it was new. It's this American brand. We're in Canada. Yeah. No one's really seen it before. So like, how do you discern that from the other skis on the wall versus moving out here and being able to actually go to like I've been to the Whistler Black Home location and it's kind of yeah. cool like they got the restaurant they have the bar it's like a community vibe they do a lot of community events and they're they really involved in yeah they're really involved in like the Whistler Black Home community and the sports in that community and the people there all the locals like it really like has that community kind of vibe to it, which is really interesting. So I see so many people in Whistler on RMU, but less so in a town where they don't have that, like, I don't know, like what they that call the locations. Yeah. yeah. They're like the concept locations. Um, mm. And they're definitely like, they are, that is a huge, huge part of their, their business. Like they want you to, you know, meet people at the bar and like go out and tread with them the next day or like have that as your kind of community space. And it definitely, yeah, like they started in Breck and they have a huge following in Colorado because of all the people that have been to that location and like have had that experience. And like, it's really welcoming. Um, I haven't been to the, the Black Home one yet. Um, you should come on. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Once I get back from this work trip, I'm like, I'm going to Canada. Um, but yeah, I will definitely be up there skiing this winter. And yeah, it's just, it's really interesting that it's the, the owner, Mike Weishi and, you know, everybody that works for the brand and works with the brand, I think is like super inclusive and you really try to make it a different brand experience than most other ski companies, I think. Um, and I think that's something that I've enjoyed as a rep is like 
getting to differentiate the brand in this like new and unique way of like, Hey, we're not going to be at every single ski demo. Like I want to come, you know, do a demo with you and all of your shop staff. And we're going to go out and ski for the day and in, in kind of a like private ski setting, you know, like let's go have this one-on-one experience and like have a really personal experience with the skis, like all of shop staff or whoever. Um, and I think that once people are able to experience that community setting and kind of honestly, like the vibe of the brand as a whole um, makes a really big difference in terms of like, oh yeah, like I can see that you really do care about the ski community and like furthering it into the future and like, how can we make this more accessible? Um, and yeah, so it is very, but you're totally right though about the like little hubs of like, I've been trying to make that happen here in Bellingham and like it has started to trickle down a little bit like from Whistler and I think even more so like as the border opens and like people from the States and Washington like go up there, have that experience, come back and they're like, oh, I see this at Backcountry Essentials or I see this at Evo or, you know, wherever they're seeing it, um, I think would make a, a much, yeah, has a lot more lasting effect, I would say. For sure. I think that um, also like entering the market as a new player is it's really hard. The market is oversaturated and you have very high levels of competition with brands that have been around for, you know, 50 years, even more than that. Right. Which means that consumers are aware of those brands, especially if they're not super ingrained in like the the ski culture or like product developments. So it's like, they're going to know Rozzy and uh, Nordica and Atomic and all those big ones. So like to enter that space is really hard. And I think RMU's like community aspect in this rental program, that's going to help differentiate them. And I think that's definitely part of their competitive positioning. But I am, I also love the going out and doing personal uh, ski demos with the shops. And it just gave me an idea maybe that's something that we could try to do within Wumtang is get an opportunity to like organize um, demos in different locations with our ambassadors where, you know, we could get multiple reps from different brands or partner with ski shops where they can take skis out because, you know, part of increasing uh, access to resources is education and education on gear, all that kind of stuff. I think that would be super freaking cool um to do we also wanted to do like a blog series on demoing skis and maybe that's something we could partner with you on too is you know testing those skis and doing some write-ups on them just to help kind of push this information further because i feel like we touched on it today but there's actually so much that goes into it (laughs) it's yeah (laughs) oh you're muted you're muted Ah! Uh, (laughs) i feel like it's such a loaded pandora's box of like conversations in that sense of like what kind of skis do you like and like how to do each of these skis you know you could talk for eight hours on this like think about how many ski clinics and like times we've sat in you know shop 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 sessions about all of this information and it's like so many hours of information at least it's not as complicated as bikes Mountain bikes True. are a whole nother language to me. I'm like, yeah, I got like <laughs> yeah. 29 inch wheels. I know that carbon is like, you know, but I, I actually know nothing. I know nothing. 
thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just read but. it. But yeah, it's a, uh, that would be a really cool product development. And anybody listening to this, if you think that's something that you'd like to get involved in, or if you have any ideas on how we could develop that gear aspect, hit us up, send us a DM. We would love to chat to you about it. And um, we really want to like get girls onto the right gear. Cause as you heard today, that big stick energy, baby, like getting onto the right stuff is going to help you progress. And you're going to be turning heads under the chairlift when you're doing a hot bitch lap. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> hot bitch lap. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I always like, I'm like, I look so cute in my ski gear. I just ripped like, the yeah, shit out of that. <laughs> I'm like, I have no shame. I feel cute today. That's my runway. 100%. Um, <laughs> I think uh, we are getting pretty close to having no more time for today. Um, so Carly, do you want to plug anybody else? Like tell people where to reach you. This is kind of your opportunity to close out the episode. Uh, yeah, my, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Um, my handle is, uh, at carcar, C-A-R-C-A-R dot narnar. N-A-R-N-A-R or G-N-A-R dot, yeah. Gunnar. Yeah, Gunnar. My last name is actually Garrett, so it like kind of works. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, check out RMU at your local shop. Um, Hit me up with any of your ski questions. You know, we make skis for all ages, all abilities. Like if you want something super surfy, we are coming out with this crazy SR Butterknife 126. That's <laughs> 126 underfoot. It's a standard 176 length. Um, I'm really excited to take them out on some. It's designed for like lower angle powder. Um, yeah, it's just like floating super, <laughs> super well. So I'm really stoked to take those out this season. Um, yeah, we've got some like sweet big mountain skis great on piece skis um yeah hit me up hit rmu up with any of your questions um at rmu outdoors um is their handle on pretty much everything look them up rmuoutdoors.com um and yeah i guess maybe the last one i would plug is kari tra they make the norwegian base layer brand that i also rep for and they're for girls, by girls. It's all, you know, this is the, the base layer shirt that I'm wearing right now. Is Yeah, it's designed for women, by women, in like fun patterns and colors. Um, and it's pretty sweet. <laughs> if you haven't heard of it, you probably should. <laughs> <laughs> they actually just launched a, a campaign last week um, about like challenging the established and like breaking all the all the rules in whatever sport you're you're in so here that's we are some, that's our big stick energy, energy. Yeah, oh, yeah that's <laughs> big stick biggest sticks in the game um renee did you have any closing remarks since i tend to talk too much <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> No, I, I think we covered it. I think we like packed a lot in there with just like talking about gear. And that's something that people ask all the time on our groups is, oh, how do I look for this? How, what's the right length of ski for me? What ski is everyone else using? People ask those questions all the time. 
and they wish they knew more about it. So they turn to the other girls and I mean, it's just the more knowledge that we have, the better that we can create a community where we'll be able to give people the right information that they are looking for and help them walk into that shop and really have a good idea what they're looking for. So then it's easy for them to narrow down and hone in and say, okay, well, I think I want this, this or this. 100%. And also have the courage and the knowledge to back up walking away from a ski bro that is not listening to you. Yeah. Yeah. Leave back if it's not that. the right <laughs> shop for you. Um, I also wanted to mention that, you know, skis are part of the equation, but so are boots. And we have a couple of really exciting episodes and articles coming out about uh, how to find the right boot for you because the fit of the boot is really important. Um, a lot of people are in one boot that's too big, like a size that's too big for them. And also the way that flex is going to change the way that your equipment responds to getting into the front of that boot. So we've got some good episodes coming up on that. So you can get some cute new shoes for this season. So, so stay tuned. <laughs> so, oh my God. Okay. All of us. Okay, no, we're not going to say it. We have to no. say that for the future. <laughs> Later. If, this is good. Yeah, we can't spoil. We're we so excited. Uh, this is like the, the boot nerd. Like, Renee called me. She's called me four times. She's like, I can't wait to get my new boots. We're so excited. This boot that all three of us are getting, we're all short little stunt nuggets under 5'7". And it is just going to be revolutionary to the shreddiness of our stunt nuggetry. So... <laughs> I already wore mine for like an hour this morning as soon as I got them. So that's fine. Oh, I can't wait. Ours don't actually get to Canada until November, but baby, it's going to be good. Um, so soon. So soon. You, We will also have opportunities for um, people in the Wombtang Big Stick community to contribute towards some surveys that we're going to be doing and some research on how we can kind of level out the industry from being like a uh, male gaze focus to more female gaze and also product design, everything. So um, figuring out what people know about boots. Like we we're basically going to be data daddies. We're data daddies. We're collecting it and we're going to bring the community together to do some rad shit, but I'm a shut up. Have yeah. a great day, everybody. I will say one more thing is okay. that if people go to Wombtang under the link tree, you should be able to find the Facebook group link for that Baker group and then any other group, depending on where you are, then you can go skiing with Carly and Jane and it's going to be a good do. time. So I want to go skiing with all of you in the you Baker area. Yes, that group is for you. <laughs> Please.